0: Hi, it's on Radio. I'm John Bewin. I just want to say a quick thanks here at the top to folks who've been spreading the word about this show in any way whatsoever, and especially those of you who've done those ratings and reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. It's hard to get noticed among the thicket of podcasts these days, and those ratings and reviews, if we get enough of them, make it more likely someone out there browsing will actually see that this little show exists. So thank you for doing that. And now, back to our regularly scheduled program.
1: If a crystal ball could tell you about, that tell you, let's see, I and I'm gonna cut most of the questions out, but I'm gonna
2: try. Okay, so. the question that it seems like you're gonna ask me right now, is mm-hmm. it the beginning or are you still mm-hmm. doing levels?
1: No, it's beginning. Okay. okay, all right. If a crystal ball could tell, you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, uh, what would you want to know?
2: If I'll find peace and happiness with myself in the future.
1: Is that in general, general peace, or like you are not at peace now and you wish to be at peace?
0: To be in a close relationship of whatever kind is to have power, whether you want that power or not. The power to surprise, to affect, to hurt, to please the other person. And of course that goes both ways, so relationships also mean being vulnerable. The people we love the most can upend our lives, or at least make things interesting. In this episode, a couple of stories about surprises, curveballs, thrown by a loved one or a close family member. First, producer Kathy Hart takes us inside her marriage, where her partner's profound transition is shaking loose new questions for Kathy about her own identity.
1: My husband and I recently went through a popular questionnaire trending at the end of 2014, 36 Questions to Bring You Closer Together, a psychological study entitled The Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness. The study suggests couples will take about 45 minutes to get through the gradually intensifying self-disclosure and relationship-building tasks. The authors conclude that they believe the best way for you to get close to your partner is for you to share with them and for them to share with you. I pitched this idea to my spouse because our relationship is shifting, and I wanted to have a chance to invite closeness during the time of transition. To get through all the questions, my husband and I took about four and a half hours, and it was exhausting. If he could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be?
2: Um, I would no longer be male.
1: Is that hard for you to say?
2: Not when I'm just sitting here with you.
1: And this is more than a a wish or desire. This is something that you're actually doing, right? You've already started the process.
2: Yes. I'm roughly a year into hormone replacement therapy. I don't think I'll be as happy or as comfortable in my own body looking differently on the outside than I feel on the inside. Looking in a mirror feels like I'm looking at the wrong person.
1: The person I fell in love with is changing. Changing in ways that I support and honor. I'm an open-minded person and I don't care what rapper my true love comes in. True love is true love. That's what I tell myself. And that's what I told my spouse when we were dating. And it's with this openness my spouse has the space to pursue their authentic self with love and support without judgment.
2: I guess it would be important to know on occasion I might get a bit melancholy and some of those times I might need a little bit of space or I might need to be held or I might need or want some sort of injection of positiveness, and to make it even more complicated, I probably wouldn't communicate which of those three it would be to know.
1: As my husband becomes my wife, I'm losing my husband. This is a grief that is coming to me sooner than I ever expected. Meanwhile... I'm becoming a lesbian on somebody else's terms, and this is a lot to contend with. The problem that I have is that I don't have anybody to be talking with about how I'm responding to or feeling through your transition. I don't have anybody to bounce feelings off of, and I feel really super isolated in that. While I'm lovingly nudging my spouse to live authentically, I'm uncomfortable with the transition that's happening to me along the way. I figured if I were to be gay, it would be on my own terms. And this is not on my own terms.
2: What do you value most in a friendship?
1: I value open honesty and frankness and forthrightness. The, all those things add up to trust.
2: What does friendship mean to you?
1: Friendship is what it is between two people. And it's specifically different for each friend. You see, growing up, my friends often felt more like unrequited romantic obsessions. I thought that's what friendship felt like confused emotions of excitement and awkwardness and accidentally electric touches. But friend boys never sparked the kind of feelings my friend girl sparked. And I had no idea what that was about. Women I think of as my best friends are people I genuinely love. I can count them on one hand and we don't connect very often, but when we do, it's as if no time has passed we pick up our stitches and knit on. When I was a teenager, I had a few boyfriends. Kind of. You know, those relationships didn't feel anything like my girlfriends. My girlfriendships were so confusing, I decided to lump everybody into the friend zone and determined that friendship was an intense thing that felt like new love. But without sex. When I started producing this piece, I wasn't certain what I would get out of it. I had hopes and an idea to push towards... Falling in love with the woman my spouse is becoming. I didn't expect to confront feelings of my own shifting sexuality. I did not expect to mourn the loss of my straight self. And while I encourage her to live her authentic self, I must also give myself permission to do the same.
2: What roles do love and affection play in your life?
1: Uh, Enough that I have be in love tattooed on my knuckles as a bit of magic, a prayer, a mantra, a reminder to be in love, or do we feel like we're more in love?
2: That's not one of the questions.
0: Kathy Hart. That's Kathy with a Q. Lots of family relationships are complicated, and those complications tend to proliferate in families divided by divorce. What happens when someone in a family, nursing resentment, decides to tell a big lie and insists that others go along? John Rash has a situation like that in his family. John is from the mountains of western North Carolina. He made this piece and called it Sister Story.
3: So yeah, I'm driving. I know that home is ahead. As long as that road may be or as troublesome as it may be to get there it's worth taking that trip as often as you can and if i didn't go it would be worse than just going and staying for a short time
4: what kind of questions you going to ask whatever
3: you want to talk about
2: what
4: you want me to talk about
2: there's
3: a certain anxiety about family especially when Your family is broken like mine is. Your parents are divorced, and the kids have decided to align themselves with one side or the other.
4: And I want you to tell your sister about my eyes, and this might be the last year that I see. And that's no joke. Why do I have to tell her? Because she won't talk to me. I was hoping your sister wouldn't be here. Barbara.
3: And who who else would be coming with her?
4: Her husband Rich and Nick and Sam. Now who's Nick and Sam to you? Grandchildren. I have phone communication with Nick, but Barbara's probably going to cut that off. She's accusing me of putting Nick in the middle of mine and her problems, which I've never done, or I would not do. I mean, I've always tried to be a good parent. I don't know what you guys think about it, but. I tried to sacrifice everything I could because I put you guys first.
3: You know, it, it bums me out thinking that it's been six or seven years since my sister spoken to my dad and that my nephew is now under the impression that my father is dead because of this lie that my sister has perpetuated. She has no reason to
5: keep him from me. I was the one that went and gave her money when people told us to not give her money, when she was probably on drugs. I bailed her out of jail two or three times and went to court with her, helped her with her college tuition when nobody else would, and then her cut me off from my grandchildren. I just don't see it. I don't understand. I did all I could to help her and love her, and see where it's got me. I think I should have let her went to jail and spent a couple of years in jail for all she done, and that might have been more help.
3: do you see any way that the two of you could ever start over on a clean slate?
5: Yes, she wanted to let me see my grand and I'd be glad to start over. She's welcome here, her and her husband and the kids any time.
3: I have sort of assumed the role of the one communicator in the family that actually visits all sides, a conduit for the communication that happens between my mom and my dad. My nephew and niece don't know that they have a grandfather, and here I am, sort of in the middle. But the problem really isn't with me. The problem is we're all accountable. We're all co-conspirators. At some point, my nephew will find out that his grandfather is actually alive.
4: I think he should know. I don't think he should have ever been lied to in the first place, because that's his family, and he needs to know his family. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, and you shouldn't get mad at people because the wrong things that that you think they done because part of a family is growing together and learning together and if you get mad at every time somebody every time they do something to you then you're going to have nothing at the end but yourself and that's a pretty sad life
3: what do we have to gain from continuing to keep up her life
4: nothing well the only thing i can see is that we do get to see the kids and I'm afraid that if, if we did tell her the truth, that she would probably never let us see Nick and Sam again, ever.
5: I'm sure he remembers me. Because I treat him special. I used to let him drive my pickup, sell my lap, and drive him up through the woods and go way up steep hills in my four-wheel drive.
4: Yeah, he kept asking about that man that he used to play used to run him around in a truck in the woods. What happened to him? And I just told him he'd have to ask his mama that question.
5: I look at Nicholas's picture every day and when I look at it I cry.
3: I talked to Momo and Mom and Uncle Paul yesterday about barbara as well i was surprised to hear them say they don't agree with the way that she has lied to nick and said that you're not here anymore i just think that it's the one really outstanding issue in our family that you talk about it sometimes but they had never really talked about it well i know you sent me a text message asking for Barbara's address and I, I sent you her address but I don't know I guess I'm curious what you thought you might do with it or what you were
5: I just thought I might try and find him sometime and say Nicholas this is your grandpa I'm still
3: alive this lie has become a wedge between our family and uh, I just feel like it's worth talking about Family isn't just a place that you go when you have nothing else to do. There are times that you have to go there because you know that other people would enjoy just seeing you. Sometimes the greatest gift is just arriving.
0: John Rash. John and Kathy Hart, who made the other piece in this episode, studied here at Duke in our Masters of Fine Arts in Experimental and Documentary Arts program. You know, the MFA-EDA. Both came as visual artists, primarily. Kathy an animator, John a photographer. But they studied audio with me, and I would say both show a certain knack with the medium. I hope they do more audio. If you agree, tell us on social media. Seen on Radio is on Facebook and Twitter. Our website is sceneonradio.org. There you can see a photo of that tattoo on Kathy Hart's knuckles. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. The music in John Rash's piece by Blue Dot Sessions. The rest of the music in the episode by Lucas Bewin. Thanks for listening. Scene on Radio comes to you from CDS, the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University.